Welcome to Rise Up in Business, the law podcast for small business owners. This podcast is designed to share important legal information without the stuffy legal jargon. I'm Tracy Marlacrane. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rise Up in Business podcast. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about using emails and emojis in your business. This is an area which is inherently risky if we are not paying attention, and it's something that business owners don't really think about in terms of risk mitigation or something that's really that important. I'm going to share with you in this episode why they are very important topics and what I think you should be thinking about in your business to minimise your risk. We all know that in this day and age, we're getting more digital. We're more online, we're more digital. Email communication, other forms of digital communication are becoming our primary methods of communicating with our audience. It's no longer the phone. I'm a big fan of picking up the phone. I've got to be honest, I love a good phone call. And we are still one of those businesses where we will pick up the phone and call our clients to ask a question. And we're very happy to answer the phone when it rings. And I get lots of business owners say to me, oh gosh, I don't use my phone for that, Tracy. I don't answer calls that I don't know who they're from. I'd rather email someone or DM someone than have a phone call. To that I say, each to their own. I think there's a value in the phone call, but like I say whatever's right for you and your business, all the best. When it comes to digital communication, and I'm talking email and messenger and DMs and all of those things, we need to be really careful as business owners of what we're doing with those modalities, what we're doing with those forms of communication. I don't think using DMs or Facebook Messenger or text message has any place when we're negotiating terms for our engagement with our clients. So what I mean by that is if you are engaging with somebody who wants to work with you, you're providing quotes or you're confirming the scope of the services, what does this course include, what does my one-on-one coaching package include, what will you get out of it, and you're answering questions, think really carefully about your systems and processes because what you're promising in those communications could amount to a representation. And if you don't measure up or if you don't deliver what you've promised, you're in a world of pain, my friend, in relation to misrepresentation and refund requests. We don't want to go there. So systems and processes are really important. If you are engaging with your clients or customers who are new to you, you want to make sure that you have systems and processes set up in your business so that you and your team know how you onboard people, how you deal with questions around what your services will deliver, your promises, if you like. My top tip here is stay away from DMs and Facebook Messenger or SMSs for those really pivotal communications. You can answer queries, of course. That's how you engage with your audience. Of course, you answer questions. But be clear on where that line is between answering questions and making promises. If you're getting into that area where someone's about to buy from you or someone's about to become your client and you're now making promises or representations as to what you're going to deliver, bring it into an email, bring it into a phone call. If you're going to make those promises in Instagram Messenger, sorry, DMs or Facebook Messenger, make sure that you download it and keep it somewhere because they could be vital in 
a situation where somebody comes to you and says, I'm really not happy with what I'm getting, I'd like a refund, please. I'd like to exit my contract. It happens. I've acted quite a few times in scenarios where I'm acting for the business coach and I'm acting for the client, so different scenarios. And the client has come to me and said, this business coach has promised me all these things. Here's my messages. This is not what I'm getting. I want out. And we've had to go down the really combative path to get her out. It turned on what was exchanged there. Now, the coach didn't have a record of those things, so she didn't know what she'd said. She couldn't recall, but my client had them. It really was significant. And it was a $15,000 contract, and ultimately we got a resolution, which being the client of the coach was very happy with. Similarly, I act for business coaches, a lot of business coaches, where they have terms and conditions that are drafted, and they take those conversations into an email or a phone call, and then they send that wrap-up email. Hi, Tracy. Thanks so much for the chat, confirming this is what we've talked about. This is what you want to get out of it. I absolutely believe this course is a good fit for these reasons. Here's our agreement. That is the key piece of communication in those circumstances. So you can see the difference. The coaches who have that process in place and they wrap up those communications in that type of email are significantly protected from someone coming back later saying, oh, hey, this isn't really what I want. I want out. It's very different now because the coach has captured everything that she's promised and all those promises are being met. So you can see the difference. It becomes very difficult to hold on to or contain all of these communications if you've got different platforms and no structure behind it. So your team might know that they can answer DMs on Instagram, but as soon as it gets to a level of inquiry which relates to specifics that you'll cover in your sessions, specific outcomes they want to achieve, that's where the system and process that you've got in place really ought to move it into that phone call or email structure to keep you protected in your business. We use email so much, which is great. Email's fabulous. It's great. We need to have a system in place where you're able to archive or keep all of those emails so that you can pull them out and rely on them later if you need to. Now, I talk a lot in my other episodes on the podcast and in many of our resources and blogs on the website about how to deal with changes to your services or changes to the scope of works. And I always say there, and you've probably heard me say it here, email is your friend. Yes, of course. Do a recap email. Confirm everything in writing. It doesn't need to be long and boring and stuffy, but have your systems and processes set up so that email is your friend and your whole team knows how to use them. That system and process really ought to start at the pre-onboarding stage, like I just touched on, and go all the way through to offboarding. And if you set it up right, you've got real peace of mind that if any hiccup comes up, you can flick it across to your business lawyer, i.e. me. Here's the issue, Tracy. Here's what the client has said. Here's the email trail. And we're on our way. It's a very efficient way to run the business in terms of communication. Coming back to the importance of email, because we're using it so much instead of that phone call. The phone call's easy to understand when you're talking to somebody. You can understand their intention if they're being sarcastic or funny, or if they're being serious, or if they're not the right fit, all of those things. We now need to draw so much from our emails that writing emails is really important, and the tone of our emails is really important. That brings in the topic of emojis. So there's a real danger to using emojis. And I wrote to my email list a couple of weeks ago on this and got quite a bit of engagement. Some found it a little contentious, to be honest, which was a little surprising, but that's okay. When you're using emojis in your communications, you need to think about the intention behind the emoji. And you might think, what on earth are you talking about? I'm talking about the intent to create an expectation, 
Courts in Australia have recently started dealing with cases that turn on the use of emojis. And I included some links in the email that I sent out to my list. And there's also some cases overseas which are really interesting and in how other countries have interpreted the use of emojis and the intention behind the emoji. Now, I'm not talking about those communications where you're tic-tacking with somebody and you put emojis at the end. You're in the throes of communication. So you're you're going back and forth, you're doing work together and there's a smiley face or a thank you or a heart or whatever. I'm not talking about that. They're innocent. I'm talking in this episode and the point of this episode is I'm talking about setting expectations and the intention when you're engaging someone new. So when someone's about to become a client, if you start using emojis, for example, they they send you a message either in email or DM this is what I want to achieve. I want to increase my profit by three. Will I achieve that working with you on this marketing strategy over the next six months? And you give all these thumbs ups and celebrations and big streamers. Somebody is able to interpret that as a guarantee, a promise. Yes, you will achieve that. Now, if that's where you've left it and you don't have proper waivers and disclaimers and limitation of liability clauses in your T's and C's and your documents, potentially you could be exposed. That's what's happened in some of the court cases. Similarly, with your team, if you use emojis often to communicate things and all of a sudden you're sending some messages and there aren't any emojis, overseas courts have held that you can draw an inference from that too. And it was in relation to sarcasm, the particular decision I'm talking about where a statement was made but there were no emojis from somebody who often used emojis. So the courts held that in fact there was no intent for humour and there was no intent for sarcasm, therefore it could be read literally. And that was a problem. So you need to think holistically about how you use communication and emojis in your business to set yourself up for long-term success. We all know here, we are all about setting you up for long-term success. This is part of that. So my tips here for you to have good processes and systems in place and to not get yourselves in hot water when it comes to emails, communication, on digital platforms and emojis is number one. Have a communication guide or some type of brand Bible, as my copywriters call it, which is just gold that applies to your business so everybody in your team knows how to communicate clearly and effectively and consistently across the board. It's a central resource. In that, you're thinking about what does your business stand for and what words are or are not associated with your business values, what emojis are or are not safe to use and when is it okay to use emojis or not. My view is that you'd probably want to avoid using them when you're in that pre-onboarding and onboarding stage with new clients. Have a think about what's going to suit your business and make sure that everybody knows what it is that's expected. It's no good having one person writing in a particular way and somebody else writing in a different way. Some use emojis, some don't. Some use them when they're onboarding, some don't. It has the potential to create chaos and that's what we want to avoid. So having a communication guide or a brand Bible is super important, I think. And the next tip I have is have proper systems and processes set up in your business that start from pre-onboarding and onboarding new clients In what format are you going to communicate? What detail will you give in DMs or Facebook Messenger? At what point do you bring it online to a phone call or an email? Have those systems and processes set up and then move that seamlessly into your tailored agreement for your business, your client service agreement, your T's and C's, whatever that looks like for your business, so that there can be no confusion, there can be no dispute about what it is you're promising to deliver 
and make sure that whatever you do with those T's and C's or that agreement that it's referenced in there, that that agreement, those T's and C's or that proposal encompasses all of the undertakings. It composes all of the promises and it supersedes previous communications. So in other words, you're saying to your client, what is in here is it. This is what's going to govern our relationship moving forward. That then puts you in a position to avoid people coming to you and saying, oh, but three weeks before I engaged with you, I asked you this question and you said this, therefore I thought that. It just brings it all into a nice container, packages it up, here's our offering, here's our terms. You can see what I'm doing there in terms of removing uncertainty, managing the expectations of your client and building trust because you're building trust in your professionalism, in your processes and systems and in your client journey with your business from start to finish. This is the digital world we live in, friends. This is what we have to deal with these days. And I honestly think that by thinking about your processes and systems, by thinking about how and when and what you communicate, you can potentially avoid train wrecks down the track when an expectations are misaligned or when something goes wrong or someone feels like they're not getting what they were promised. So have a good think about your communication guide. Have a good think about what works for your business. Put that in a central guide somewhere for your team and then have proper processes and systems for your business that are communicated to the team. Everyone knows what they're doing and when they're doing it to really make that onboarding process for your clients seamless and a really positive experience for your clients all the way through to offboarding. Because in my view, that's how we build our reputation, particularly in the digital world, and that's how we're setting our businesses up for long-term success. I hope that's been helpful. I'm sure you'll find it interesting. It is a bit of an interesting one today. If you have any questions about that or if you're interested in reading a little more about the cases that I've talked about, reach out. I'm always happy to answer questions and provide some more info. Feel free to send me an email if you want to ask more and I can give you some more information in relation to those cases too. I would love to hear from you. Um, My email, tracy at tmsolicitor.com.au. If you're listening to this and you think that you know other people in business, your business besties or your business colleagues, who might also find this interesting or might benefit from anything that we've shared today, please feel free to pass it on. I am so keen to get into the ears of even more business owners so we can continue to add value and enrich that business journey for as many as possible. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll catch you next time.